Greetings, and welcome to another episode of my award-winning podcast, Dr. Essie Speaks. This is Dr. Essie McCoy, your host. As always, I hope that my podcast is inspirational, motivational, and educational so that it will enhance and transform your life. To my listeners, thank you for allowing me to share with you each week. Today's show is with a spotlight on education. I have the opportunity to interview a phenomenal educator who has so much experience and such a love for what she does. She is dedicated and committed to her students and she has a great relationship with her students as well. She has done some amazing things on her journey and more is yet to come. Let me just say, I am blessed to know her and be able to work with her as she continues to navigate her journey in the field of education. She has touched the lives of so many students, families, and even other educators. My honored guest is none other than Mrs. Stacy Rubach. Let me share a little bit more about her journey. Stacy Rubach graduated from Indiana University of Pennsylvania with a Bachelor of Science in Music Education. Her master's degree from George Mason University is in education. She is certified to teach pre-K through 12th grades in both choral and instrumental music. Stacy has led teacher workshops and adjudicated assessment in several school systems in Virginia, Maryland, and Washington, DC. She has won various awards in education, including the Washington Post Agnes Myers Outstanding Teacher of the Year and Manassas City Public School BDOE Teacher of the Year nominee. She has been invited to the White House as a special guest on two occasions. Stacy has been an educator for 26 years and currently teaches guitar at Osborne High School where she grew the program from 11, that's right, 11 students to the current 147 students. What she may not tell you, but I will, as I will say once again, she is dedicated, she is a hard worker, a true professional and an expert in her field of education. She is so humble and has such an amazing disposition. I'm gonna take a quick commercial break and when I come back, I'll give my guest, Mrs. Stacy Rubach, an opportunity to share with our listening audience. As always, check out my website at www.dressiespeaks.com where you can find all my books about school transformation, school leadership, and so much more. In addition, you can check out my latest Amazon and international best-selling books. I'll be right back. Greetings. This is Dr. Essie McCoy, your podcast host of Dr. Essie Speaks Education. I am elated to bring you a weekly show where I discuss everything about education. That's right. What you want to know, what you don't know, and what you need to know will be aired each Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Get ready, mark your calendar, and tune in to this show as we keep the pulse on education from an award-winning educator. Remember, once again, to tune in every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Have you put in place the tools and marketing strategies that will drive the revenue and growth outcomes for your business? Are you looking to expand your brand and image nationally and globally? Commercials, podcasting, graphics, and marketing support 
are just some of the ways we can dress up your business for prime time. We are EliteConversations.com. To learn more about us, check us out at EliteConversations.com, our website, email us at ecpodcastmedia at gmail.com, or call us at 301-900-5703. There are many people that need to know about the wonderful products and services you have to offer. Let Elite Conversations help you to get the word out. Welcome back to Dr. Essie Speaks Education, your award-winning podcast host, Dr. Essie McCoy. My special guest, once again, is Mrs. Stacy Rubach, an amazing individual in so many ways. You've heard the bio. And I can tell you, Stacy, you are such a positive example of an educator, especially as we have faced so many challenges in public education the past few years. You have been on the front lines while maintaining those high expectations. Thank you and congratulations to all your success. I know the listeners will benefit greatly from our conversation today. Welcome to my show and thank you for being my special guest and tell everyone how you're doing this evening. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Dr. McCoy. I appreciate it. Indeed, it is my honor. And I read your bio, but tell us a little bit more about yourself because you and I have had an opportunity to dialogue just about your life and how you got to where you are. So tell us some things that we may not know about you that you don't mind sharing with others. Okay. Well, I have been a teacher for 26 years. I have a true passion for education and music, but my story starts way earlier in childhood where I fell in love with school from a very young age, probably early as pre-K. I was in the Head Start program. My mom was a very young mother. She got pregnant at 17 and birthed me at 17 and went on to have six children in total by the time she was about age 25, 26. Um, because of this, she was in extreme poverty. She was dependent on men in her life, and this caused her to put herself in situations that were not the best for us children, including all sorts of abuse, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, and sexual abuse. And the authorities were always involved. Uh, Child Protective Services were always involved in school was always my escape. I was able to connect with my teachers. I loved reading. I loved everything about school. And uh, it was it was my escape from reality, and eventually I had this music teacher who was my fourth grade music teacher, and she made helped me by keeping me after school. I think now looking back to prevent me from staying home and dealing with abuse, she created this like protective bubble for me, and that's really pretty much where my passion not only for education happened, but also my love of music and realizing that I wanted to be her someday. I wanted to grow up and be that teacher for other kids who needed a place to feel protected, a place to feel loved, a place where they felt like they belonged. So I appreciate you being so authentic and, you know, you talked about that protective bubble and definitely um, we are so grateful that that person was there for you. And, you know, you look at you, I talk to you um, just about on a daily basis and thank goodness you do not look and sound like what you've been through. So I know that you have shared, um, you know, about the different types of abuse and, in my journey, I've had an opportunity to turn schools around and I've had an opportunity to 
who work with students, some would say at risk. Um, I don't say use that terminology, I use at promise. And so tell us a little bit about how you can relate and identify to students um, so easily. And I know what you're going to say, but just share with us about that people who may not, you know, they look at educators sometimes and they don't know their story. Um, they don't know what they've been through. They don't know um, that, yes, I've traveled the same road, the same journey that you are now traveling, and I can provide resources, I can pro provide strategies, I can help you in that process as a student. So tell us a little bit more about that. I think the first thing is to create a really good trusting relationship with students. They need to feel that they can come into your room and not be judged, not be scared, and be accepted no matter what walk of life they come from. And that's number one. But the second one is sharing your story. I think it's unfair to students to not let them know a little bit about you because by doing that, it makes them see you as a real person and it makes them identify with you. And so for me, I make my room not just a place of learning, but a place of love and acceptance and tolerance. And because of that, I think many students um, use my room and use my resources as a way for them to be just like me, be safe, have a protective bubble, and hopefully eventually get even get out of whatever situation they're in. So I just see myself as an avenue for them. And I see you as that for students as, as well, because you exude that love. And like you said, it is a safe place for students to be. Um, and so I appreciate you being so candid with your students and sharing um, to the extent that you do about your journey. And so talk a little bit about um, people in your life who really inspired you. Well, first of all, that music teacher, I think without her, I don't know that I would have believed in myself and seen myself as being somebody who could be important or make a difference in other people's lives. She treated my gift of music like it was exceptional and that made me feel exceptional. So I think she would be number one. The second person would be my aunt. When my biological mother lost custody of us, she lost custody because of all of the abuse that was happening and was given an opportunity to turn it around and did not take up the opportunities and ended up losing custody. My aunt and uncle lived in Pennsylvania at the time. They already had five children of their own. And in my family, there were six of us. This was her biological sister. She took in three of the six of us, and then they ended up with a total of eight kids. Part of the deal was if she took the three of us, she would be bound by court to no longer have contact with her sister because it would be a liability to us. It would be a liability to like our safety. So she signed papers and took us and my mom and dad, they, they're my mom and dad now, they adopted us. It took four years because we were wards of the court of the state of Michigan. And by the time I was almost at my 18th birthday, they adopted us. But in that four years that I lived with them, I learned how to, I guess, just be a person. I had been a, an adult my whole life. I was the oldest of the six kids. I raised them. I bathed them. I cared for them. And I had all this responsibility and when I moved in with them as a family of eight kids, we all had duties. We all had responsibilities being in a family that large. But ultimately, they wanted me to be a kid. They wanted me to experience life and be in school activities. And although no one in my family had ever, ever gone to college on either side, they were the ones that said, we just want you to experience life and do whatever it is that you need to do. So I was the, actually the first person in my family, in my entire family on both sides 
biological father, biological mother, and adopted family that went away to school and earned a four-year degree. So I think, yeah, I think those two things really pivoted my life into different directions. And then the third person would be my husband. I met him as a, uh, my first day of school, believe it or not, was my very first day. I was walking up the steps and he was walking down the steps and we connected and we, we got together right after that and dated. And then around the middle of my sophomore year, I got pregnant. And it was soul crushing because I had come from this life of poverty and I was repeating the cycle of being a teenage pregnant person. You know, I wasn't fulfilling my dreams and all the things I had hoped to set up to do. And uh, he came from a family that was had always been upper middle class. Everybody went to school. It was an expectation. They didn't deal with like poverty or financial issues. But he said, you know, I I think let's try to make this work. And so by that May, I was the end of my sophomore year. We got married and we finished our two years of school with each other in school. We revolved all of our classes around each other. We moved into, got married, moved in together. And he was the third person that allowed me to continue my journey and do the things I need to do. And because of that, this is, we're almost on our 29th year of being married we have a 28-year-old son and I have a 21-year-old daughter. So, well, indeed, congratulations to you on being a mom and I know that you have such a rich and vast experience that you can share with them um, and they will appreciate it. And then also thank God for your aunt, thank God for your husband and definitely that music teacher. And you know, you talked about how she treated your gift as if it was exceptional. And I know that really propelled you into what you're doing today. And so yes. that strong foundation is so very important. And for students out there, you know, sometimes you may not have anyone in your home. You may not have that mother. You may not have that father. You may not have a brother or sister that you can turn to, but definitely reach out um, within your school, within your community, within your church. Just reach out to someone and hold on to that person and let them know. And hopefully, you know, they can guide you in the right direction. So you started in the field of education. How did you know that you really wanted to be an educator when you first got started? You know, I think it was my love of music that got me into, you know, pursuing music. And as I was doing my degree and realizing there were two tracks when you do music, there's performance and there's education. And I mean, when I thought about it, I'm like, I've been with kids my whole life. I've been raising kids since I was a kid. And then you go into this, it was six kids. And then I go into family of eight and it just fit. It fit who I am as a person. Although in your mind, you're like, I'm not teacher material because it just doesn't feel right when you're a kid thinking like, I'm going to be an adult being in charge of other kids. But I already was a teacher. I'd been a teacher my whole life. And I think knowing that and realizing it, it happened in college when I finally said, I always knew I want to do music, but to make an impact on other people and have them have the same impact that I had, you can only really do that through education, make that kind of an impact on other, other people. So that's when I really decided was in school. Well, I tell you one thing, you do an amazing job. I'm just so in awe with you. And, you know, you talk about the love of music. And I always tell kids early on in my career, do what you love and love what you do. And I tell educators that I've had an opportunity to pour into hundreds and thousands of educators. Do what you love and love what you do. 
So you've talked about some of your personal challenges. Talk a little bit about some of the challenges you may have faced as a teacher and how did you overcome? I think as a teacher, I really think my biggest challenge is grownups. <laughs> I know that's funny, but kids are so resilient. Kids just kind of want to, to please you. They want to work hard. For me, it's that way. I mean, music, you're there because you want to be there. You know, the I would have to say the biggest challenges sometimes are being surrounded with others who are not like-minded, who might be negative, who might try to bring you down, who aren't bringing their positive spirit, who aren't there for the right reasons. And you have to continually remind yourself of why you joined this profession, why you're there for the kids. Ultimately, for me, the kids aren't really what bring me down or put me in a negative space. Usually, it's adults who maybe need a reset button which I'm perfectly happy providing at times. Um, but other times I just need to protect myself and also get into my own protective bubble and be in there with the kids and do the hard work. Um, but probably I would say my biggest challenges have been my peers, honestly. I could definitely identify with that. And, you know, it is hard um, because I recall when I had to go into schools and turn them around. And definitely you're talking about schools that were low performing and eventually yeah. became high growth schools. So you don't always have um, everybody who's in that school with the right mindset and they have to shift their mindset. They have to believe in all students and believe in the whole child approach. So I do understand that challenge. Um, and so, you know, we just went through a few years ago, COVID, and we're still feeling some of the effects of COVID. So tell us a little bit about that challenge and what made you, what sustained you during that period? Because, you know, as I well know, that many educators decided to either leave the profession or retire, um, unfortunately. And, you know, we are facing a crisis within um, schools around the nation. So tell us a little bit about that. I think for me, I very much feed off of the energy of other people. I enjoy coming into work every day and being in the classroom and being with the children. So being behind a screen was really challenging for me, even though the kids were there and we were connecting, it was not the same as being in person. And I struggled with that. The second thing is as a music teacher, we very much need to be in the environment of hearing all individuals perform together. And with the sound delays, you can't have any more than one person to unmute their sound. So let's say I have a, a class of 30 beginning guitar students and I'm the teacher. I make them all show their screens, by the way. They, they weren't allowed to black their screens out because I need to know that you're present and you're here and you're a part of this class. But if everyone unmutes, by the time my sound makes it to them and their sound makes it to me, it was just, it was hideous and horrible. So it, it was more work for me. Even though we worked less hours, I would have to have them record. We have, they have this really cool software out where you record to a beat and then I can take all of the recordings and put them in together into a performance. But it still is not the same as the feeling you get performing all together collaboratively. Now, what we're seeing is not only are their kids behind emotionally, but they're behind in most of their subjects because it just was a weird year with not having as many minutes in class. And the same thing happened to music. I mean, my well, I'm still playing catch up with my kids. We're still creating music and we're still doing concerts, but there's definitely a dip in where I would want the kids to be at this point in the game. 
And I think we can all feel that, not only students, but educators and anyone really impacting um, the field of education, whether it is pre-K through higher education. So now let's switch gears just a little bit and tell us a little bit about your greatest success or successes at this point. Oh, you know, I I actually have a tough time picking one thing because I think you have successes every day and you have successes overall. And I am somebody who definitely is a believer in having a positive attitude and finding the good in everything. I mean, my successes personally are having two adult children who are financially independent. When you come from poverty, that's a huge success. Being married for 29 years, getting the Agnes Meyer Washington Post Teacher of the Year Award, every single concert my students have and watching them grow. So I think I find success in many areas, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, overall. It's just one of the things I think that makes me successful is that I see success in almost everything. I think it's just the way that you're supposed to be. And I know that's a part of your DNA, just, you know, the conversations that you and I have had and just um, your mannerisms. And you talk about your own kids and I can identify. I have two kids myself and definitely I came from poverty. My parents did not graduate from high school. My dad stopped in the ninth grade. My mom um, who has transitioned, stopped in the eighth grade, but they constantly told me about the importance of getting an education. So definitely I can identify with that. So tell us a little bit about how do you feel like, and you talked earlier about this, how do you feel that you are helping young people beyond your responsibilities just as a music teacher? I really think I have a good sense of, I call, I think everybody has a gift and I think my gift is people reading. I'm very good at reading the room and I'm good at reading individual students if they're having an off day, if they look hungry. And I will often talk to kids about, I need for them to be the best them that they can be. You only get one you. So I don't, I don't need for you to be the other person or you know, go to college or do this or do that. But I need for you to be accountable to yourself and be the best version of yourself that you can be. And it's interesting because earlier you were speaking to do what you love and love what you do. I actually have like six copies of a book that I pass out to some of my seniors and it's called Do What You Are. And it's based off of the Meyer Briggs personality test. And you kind of take the test in the first couple chapters of the book, it talks about what each of the characteristics mean. But then once you find out your category, you go to that section of the book and it lists in all the different subject areas what types of jobs you should do based on your personality. And the reason that's important is because so many times a, a student may think, well, I really love history, but they don't really realize what job they should pick that would benefit them so that they're happy in their job because your job's a third of your life. You want to know that you're, you're doing something that you're going to be passionate about. And I will tell you, the book is really, really good. And it's been very helpful to many of my students who aren't quite sure what direction they want to go in in their life. Well, you know what? I do not have that book. And that is definitely one book that I'm going to have to purchase. Even It's a great one. It sounds like it is do what you are. And, you know, I think based on what you said, after 33 plus years of experience and four degrees and really touching the lives of thousands and thousands of kids all those years, you know what? I'm still learning about me. And so what is it that I want to become? And students, you know what? 
You are amazing. You can accomplish anything you want to accomplish. Believe in yourselves and surround yourselves with people that are really going to propel and push you, move you forward. And so thank you, Mrs. Rubach. And so Dr. Essie Speaks Educational Consulting is all about sharing resources really to help others achieve their goals. Tell us what resources you can provide to young people um, and, you know, kids that are getting ready to go into post-secondary, um, what advice would you give to them? I think it's always a good idea for students to ask their teachers, like you said, for resources. So for me, I know all the resources that we have at school. So if a child is not feeling great, I know to send them to, to guidance or to send them to, you know, our school psychologist. If a student needs clothing, you have... As a teacher, we already have lots of resources at our fingertips. I think the most important thing with students is to make them feel like they can come to you in the first place. Because if you don't open up that door for them, you won't know what they need because they won't be telling you. So that really is the, ultimately the most important resource you can give them is allowing them the opportunity to say, I'm hungry and you have snacks for them, or I have, I need water, but we don't have working water fountains anymore. So having cups for them, those little tiny things make such a huge difference for kids when they're at school all day, every day, trying to learn. And you're right. It's the small things that really do make a powerful impact and a powerful difference. And you are definitely making an impact. So tell us how listeners can get in contact with you. I think if they want to email me, they can. My my personal email is fine. Do you want me to spell it out? Um, yes, that's fine. Okay. Stacy, S-T-A-C-E-Y, period, Rubach, R-U-B as in boy, A-C-H at Verizon.net. Excellent. And I, once again, want to thank you so much for being my special guest today to share with the listening audience. Continue doing the phenomenal things that you're doing and may God continue to bless you with making that powerful impact. Once again, thank you so very much. Thank you, Dr. McCoy. I enjoyed being on your podcast. Well, thank you. And as I always say, education is hard work, but it is also heart work. Thanks yep. for listening. And remember to visit my website at www.dressiespeaks.com, where you can find all the links to my podcast, my social media platforms, books, and so much more. Remember to get your copy of Women Be Free, an Amazon bestseller. Join me each Sunday at 5.30 p.m. for Dr. Essie Speaks. Until then, be safe, be blessed, and make a positive difference in the lives of others. <laughs>